Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We began this series with the very first artist to be inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. Who else could it be but Robert Johnson, the king of the Delta Blues? Johnson was hailed as a genius by all that knew him. His style and technique were so far ahead of his time that almost 100 years later, his recordings still astonish listeners. His list of devotees include rock and roll royalty, Keith Richards, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan, just to name a few. Here is his story. Sunhouse was the king of the Robinsonville, Mississippi juke joints. He played the fastest guitar, chunking the rhythm like a locomotive. He growled as if demons spoke through him. He preached his lyrics like defiant sermons, declaring there wasn't any heaven or hell. Sun was playing outside the corner store downtown on Highway 61 when he first saw little Robert Spencer. Robert looked like something from another world, the perfect head and slight body of a child, but with one wandering eye gazing into the distance and long spidery fingers. Little Robert heard Sunhouse question the spiritual certainties of the world at the same time that the ground shook under his feet. He found out that he was not Robert Spencer after all. Sunhouse's song rattled through little Robert's mind. Robert grew up in Memphis with his brothers and sisters. As a teenager, he moved in with his mom down on a Mississippi Delta cotton farm. There he learned that his real father was a man named Noah Johnson. Unsettled, Robert began rambling after dark. He followed the music to the moonshine joint where Sunhouse sang. Son took a break, leaned his guitar against the wall, and stepped out of the joint to cool off. Son drank and laughed with his friends in the moonlight until the sound of someone banging his guitar brought him back inside. Quick, Robert, Son snapped. Just leave the guitars alone. Son headed back outside. He took another drink, had a laugh. But then the guitar started again. Son ran back in shouting, a dog wouldn't want to hear that. With Son's voice pounding inside his head, Robert left Robinsonville and took to the road. He hoped to meet the father he'd never known. He became the first of many to go searching for Robert Johnson. His journey home led to a father, though not one of blood, a guitarist named Ike Zimmerman, who lived in a town called Beauregard. The little community's only claim to fame was a ghostly presence on the railroad tracks. The locals called it the spook light. In this place of eerie power, Robert Johnson found his true identity. After dark, Robert and Ike followed a dirt path through the woods to a cemetery. They sat on gravestones. Ike tuned his guitar and showed Robert every moan, every cry, every heartbeat he knew. Robert watched in silence as Ike played. Then his long fingers fluttered over the frets in the moonlight. Back in Robinsonville, Sunhouse was playing a juke joint when he saw a familiar face squeezing through the front door. Son turned to his partner, Willie Brown, and laughed. 
<laughs> Look who's coming in, he said. Got a guitar on his back. Robert pushed through the crowd to reach Sun. Sun sneered. Boy, now where are you going with that thing? I want to play one, Robert said. Sun chuckled, winked at Willie Brown, and said, all right. Sun remembered the clunky racket little Robert used to make on his guitar and expected Robert Johnson to embarrass himself right out of the joint forever. But then the spiders crawled across the strings. Sun looked around the room and saw jaws drop. Robert walked right into the crowd and vanished cold without a word. Well, ain't that fast, Sun said. He's gone now. Now the guitar fed Robert and kept his thirst for whiskey quenched. It supplied all the female attention a strange-eyed man could handle. Within a few years, Robert had girlfriends from Hazelhurst, Mississippi to Helena, Arkansas, all the way to St. Louis. They too liked those long, nimble fingers. They watched him cradle the guitar, saw how fine he plucked the strings. He made his life an adventure, but one accomplishment still escaped him. Robert Johnson wanted to record. He'd go anywhere in the world to get it done, but only had to make it to Texas. There in a hotel room in San Antonio, a producer named Don Law supervised a recording session. Law had slick black hair and an easygoing manner. Robert could barely look Law in the eye. Law glanced Robert over, pausing at the long, slender fingers. Beautiful hands, he thought. Robert looked no more than 18 years old to Law and painfully shy. He doubted this kid could get through a take. Law needed to warm Robert up, get him relaxed enough to perform. Other musicians crowded around, Mexican mariachi groups and rhinestone cowboys. Law asked Robert to play a song, hoping it might break the ice. Robert muttered something, flashed his eyes into Law's and sat down. With his back to the mariachis, Robert rumbled through a quick number. Law's doubts grew. But when Robert's turn to record came, those long fingers plucked a fragile, delicate song of beauty. There was nothing shy or reserved about his talent. After the session, Law dropped 45 cents into the spidery fingers. This'll get you breakfast, he said. Law told Robert he'd see him in the morning. As Law sat at dinner that night, though, the maitre d' brought him the house phone. He heard Robert say, I'm lonesome. Law asked what that had to do with him. There's a lady here, Robert said. She wants 50 cents, and I lacks a nickel. Over the next two days, Robert Johnson stunned Law with his versatility, recording the intense crossroad blues, the seductive come on in my kitchen, and the song he'd been tearing down Mississippi juke joints with about a big car with parts like female anatomy. Terraplane Blues quickly went from his signature roadhouse song to his biggest jukebox hit, the record sold thousands. A 78 even reached Sun House, who gave it a listen and shouted, Jesus, that's good. That boy's going places. One place Robert soon went again was Texas. With Terraplane blaring in Delta cafes, Robert traveled to Dallas to make more records. This time, Slick Don Law held the session in a warehouse. 
Law shut the windows to keep out traffic sounds, only turning up the suffocating Texas heat. Law and a sound man worked shirtless. As sweat boiled down Johnson's face, he sang like he was sitting on a gravestone at night by the light of a ghostly lantern. I got to keep moving, I got to keep moving. In his songs, Robert struggled with demons, with ghosts of violence all around him, chasing him, a destiny of pain he could not escape. So he moved deeper into it. He worked his way across the endless delta toward Greenwood, a little backroom juke joint behind a hardware store hired him to play for a few weeks. This one was operated by a black man known as Snake. Guys like Snake ran whiskey stills, making illegal corn liquor, and they ran juke joints where they could draw a crowd to come dance and buy that liquor. Robert did his thing at Snake's place. He played his guitar, he sang the hell out of his songs, and he became friendly with any female who showed interest. One of these also shared her affection with Snake. Saturday night came, Snake's place filled with field hands. The corn liquor flowed to Robert, too. As he sang, Robert felt pain stab deep in his stomach. He could feel his strength draining away. I'm taking sick, he told the crowd, but I'll keep playing. But he couldn't get through Terraplane. He couldn't even sit up. One of the hands offered to transport Robert back to his shack. Robert survived the journey but fell into agony. He crawled on the shack floor around his sickbed. Not long after that night at Snake's came word that a man was searching for Robert Johnson. He had possibly the best opportunity of Robert's life. John Hammond, a producer and promoter extraordinaire, was putting on a show like the world had never seen, bringing black music to the elite white crowd at the pinnacle of American culture, New York City's Carnegie Hall. Hammond wanted to present the best performers of gospel jazz and back porch and barroom blues for an unprecedented concert covering the history of black music. He called it From Spirituals to Swing and he wanted to showcase the most mystifying poetic of all blues singers. But the devil beat him to Robert Johnson. Two days before Christmas, 1938, John Hammond stood alone on the stage at Carnegie Hall, where every red velvet seat and gilded golden balcony was filled. Beside him stood a phonograph machine. He reached down, flipped a switch, and the turntable began to spin. He lowered the needle onto the record. Robert's wailing slide guitar sang out, shaking the crystals in the chandelier high above. And at that moment, Robert Johnson was born again. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.